Hello, and welcome to the Southeast Students Podcast. Here you can find all of the teachings from our special series in middle school group and high school group. Our goal as a ministry is to guide young people into a personal relationship with Jesus and train them to become like Him. We pray that these teachings help you to do just that. You're listening to our study through the book of Acts. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. Okay, guys, so we're going to be in Acts 17, 1 through 15. So we're going to go ahead and read through that for all of you that have your Bibles. And we'll start at Naomi. <laughs> it's going to be Acts 17, a 1 through 15. So I'm going to go ahead and catch us up to where we are at now. So if we can remember what Liam talked about last week. So what happened is they were in Philippi, right? Before they make this journey to Thessalonica, they're in Philippi and they are preaching and they come across this lady who has a spirit of divination. And she is basically making money off of this spirit who's giving her knowledge and her owners are profiting from this. And so Paul cast the demon out of this lady. And this causes an uproar because the owners get all upset and mad because the demon gets cast out and she loses all of her power. And so they end up going to jail. And so they go to jail and what happens next? There's this huge earthquake, right? Crazy. All of the prisoners get let out and the Philippian jailer is basically, who is responsible for all of these people, is basically thinking his life is over. Man, I am in charge of all of these people that are in prison and they're gonna get out of here. And so his response was that he was gonna commit suicide because he was already dead in his mind. And so this uh, Philippian jailer says, uh, is stopped by Paul and Silas, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And we see this Philippian jailer and his family come to know the Lord and be baptized. And so this is just awesome what happens, a complete turnaround. And so after this, he houses Paul and Silas, cleans them up from their wounds after being beaten. And then after that, they return back to jail. And then after that, even better, they face the Roman authorities and they get out scotch-free because they were Roman citizens. And so basically they don't get in trouble for the crimes that they didn't commit and they get told to move on. And so now we are here in Acts 17. And so it says that they were journeying, journeying through these two hard cities to pronounce Amphipolis and Apollonia. And this was about a 94 mile journey. It took them about three days to get to Thessalonica from Philippi. That is a hike for sure. I don't know about you guys driving 94 miles. I get tired, you know. And so here we get to this place in, uh, in Thessalonica and it says that they go into the Jewish synagogue. And so when they go into this uh, synagogue, it says Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and raise from the dead. And so my first question for you guys is why did Paul have to persuade them that Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Please don't be crickets, guys. In middle school, it was crickets too. Yeah, so why did he have to go into the synagogues and basically explain to them why Jesus had to suffer and why he had to raise from the dead in order to be Messiah? Why do you think that he had to do that? First and foremost, I just wanted to say, if Jesus 
hadn't died on the cross and rose three days later, our faith would be void. Like Ryan has been teaching, if you guys have been listening in first service, our faith would be void. If Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise three days later, there'd be no reason why we're sitting in these chairs. So it was important that they understood that message. And the Jewish people of that day, the crowd that Paul would have been preaching to, would be people that they had a misconception regarding the Messiah. They had this sort of thinking that was flawed, and it originated from those 400 years of silence when the Old Testament and the New Testament was in this gap. And they believed that the Messiah would be this guy in his first coming that would just be this man with an iron fist and he would come and destroy the tyrannical government, the Roman army that's uh, just clasping onto the Jews and making their life hard. They thought when the Messiah would come, he'd do away with that, establish his throne on earth. And we know as believers that that's not what Jesus came to do in his first coming. They had this false idea that Jesus would be this a physical conquering king that would have overthrown them. And so I wanted to show you one passage that would have really could have been something that he went to and preached from uh, in this time. So if you guys want to turn to Isaiah 53 really quickly, I'm just going to go ahead and read it and show what Paul would have been sharing. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, of the people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. So I'm not going to finish this, but what I want you guys to get the picture of is that we can see Jesus in the Old Testament. As you were saying, prophecy is in the Old Testament regarding the person of Jesus and who he is. And so if you guys ever want to go through and just read Isaiah 53 and think about the person of Jesus, he's not this physical conquering uh, king in his first coming, but he came to make atonement for our sin. And so he was using the Old Testament to make a picture of this. So this is what he was doing in Thessalonica. In verses 5 through 9, it says, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some of the wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another King Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed. And when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And so this 
this theme of jealousy is something that we've seen in the book of Acts. We've seen time and time again as they are preaching in the synagogues or even in Jerusalem, the Jews are becoming jealous, right? Um, and they're having these emotions come out of them. We see Jesus even has uh, words regarding these people. It says in Luke eleven forty-three, Woe to you, Pharisees! You love the chief seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace. And these people, they weren't, they didn't want God fully, but they loved the things that religion brought them. They didn't want, because Paul was preaching the message of Jesus and they wanted nothing to do with it. And so we see that they exchanged Jesus for this religion, the power in the seats, um, the seats uh, of high places. They felt threatened and they didn't want their positions taken away. So because of this, it says, taking some of the wicked men of the rabble, a disordered crowd mob. And so they are so jealous that they took these group of men, these rough guys, I don't, we don't fully know what they're like. And it's kind of interesting that they just were able to go find these men, like just willy-nilly, just were able to go find these wicked men of the rabble. It's like, I don't know, kind of interesting. But we know that they weren't going to kill them with their own two hands because the law says thou shall not kill, right? Obviously, it's in the Ten Commandments. They're not just going to go and kill Paul and Silas and Timothy. They weren't going to do it. But what they were going to do is they were going to go grab those men, those ragtag rough guys, and they were going to put them up to no good in hopes that they would kill them, right? Um, and so it's just interesting to see. And so in these words, they mention something very interesting. It says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And so I wrote in my notes that the gospel has been turning the world upside down for 2,000 years and it's just so crazy that the word of God is still going forth today. And we're seeing these signs and wonders happening, um, not only in the book of Acts, but they still happen all the time today. We can have confidence that our message is true because of God's word and the testimony that he's given us. And my second question is how can we, be, as believers in Christ, turn the world upside down? First, in order as Christians to turn the world upside down, we must live our lives in obedience to Christ, right? So... If Saul would have never been obedient to the Lord in his own life, none of these crazy things for the kingdom would have ever happened. And so Paul, in his life, first, before all of these things happened, first, in his own life, made the commitment to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus today with my whole entire life, no matter what that costs me, no matter what he says, I'm going to do it. And that's the first step of turning the world upside down is we need to, in our own lives, as followers of Jesus, say, I want you and I want you alone, no matter the cost. And number two, we must preach Christ unfiltered. We must be people that speak truth in, in a time. You guys are in this um, world and it's just lies everywhere. And it's easier to find lies than it is to find truth. And we need to be people that speak the truth and speak it unfiltered. And... The second thing I put for that is people need to know the love of Christ and we need to show it to them. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And so we need to share that truth unfiltered. So we need to let the world know that they're sinners. We're sinners, right? So that's first and foremost. But God doesn't leave it at that. He says, you are a sinner. You have fallen short of 
what I've called you to do, but my son. My son has died on the cross so that you may have salvation, so that you may have relationship with God. So it doesn't just get left at this sad, broken story that we have fallen short of what God has called us to do, but through the son of God, we are able to have a relationship with God. And so we need to show that to other people. And we just need to rely on the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the Spirit's calling you to do in your life, you need to follow that. And so these mob men raised the claim that Paul and Silas said that there was another king besides Caesar. And it says, And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And so obviously they didn't say that there's another king, right? They didn't believe that Jesus was going to come and overthrow right? That's not what they believed. But they did preach that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is King, but they twisted Paul's words and the people were concerned. Why do you guys think that they were uh, so concerned? Why do you think that they were so concerned when they made the claim that they said there was another king? If, if the Roman Empire heard that there's another king, what are they going to do? They're going to crack down extra hard, right? And so the people of Thessalonica were like, man, they were concerned because they didn't want to be known as a city that is against the Roman Empire, right? And so the, the mob men were basically making it sound like this other king is going to take the place of Caesar, and they didn't want to be known for that and have the Roman army pounce on them, right? Kind of similar to what you're saying. And so we see that this uproar and this twisting of words uh, is resulted in the raiding of the house of Jason. And who is Jason? Jason is most likely the home for believers. Uh, it's probably like a missionary hub where they would come and they would stay when the people are in the town. And they didn't find Paul, Silas, or Timothy there. And so what ends up happening is the Romans, they take money and they protect Jason from this mob and this uproar. And it says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So because of the riots and the persecutions, the believers, Paul and Silas, they had to go to Berea. And we see um, that it says that the Jews in Berea were more noble than other believers. Why do you think this is? Okay, well, verse 11 says they received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And it says, many of them therefore believed. And faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. And so we as believers cannot separate the word of God and the word of God. And they were studying the Bible. But what I wanted to share is I blundered this last time. <laughs> I ended up finishing my sermon and it wasn't good because I made it sound like Paul's Liam's like, man, you're spitting heresy up here. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't a big deal. <laughs> Anyways. I'm sorry if I made it sound like a big deal. No, I'm totally just messing with you. But he says they're more noble because they search and examine the scriptures. And so it's noble because even Paul, this man who has many letters, scriptural letters, right? They are still willing to hear from him and not accept that this man is God, not elevating him on a platform, but they're willing to search the scriptures. And we know from other, other letters, Paul is having to correct these people, right? Because at some point, 
other churches are hearing a mixed message, right? And so Paul at other times has to correct them. But the Bereans are noble because they search the scriptures and they read the word of God for themselves. And so this is why they're more noble. So they didn't take his word as fact. And I want you guys to do that too. Because you guys are, like I said, in the era where there are so many lies. And what should you as good Bereans do? You should study the word of God and trust this more than anyone's word. You have the word of God at your fingertips. But they examine the scriptures daily. And I want to encourage you guys to examine the scriptures daily. To search the scriptures daily. And not only... Is it a good thing? We need to do it because we get to know God and we get to know more about God. And what is that going to do for our walk with the Lord? We're going to get to be able to have a deeper relationship with him because we get to read his words. We get to hear God's voice. I know one of the biggest questions that I have or the biggest things that I wrestle with is like, man, is, is God near me? Why can't I feel God? All of these things. If you're ever wrestling with these questions... You can hear God's voice right here. Read the Bible out loud and you'll be able to hear God's voice. And so if you ever want to just seek the Lord, begin by just opening this and reading out loud and you will be ushered into the presence of the Lord. I'm so thankful that I have the word because not only do I know about salvation and I get to know Jesus deeper through this, but I literally get to spend time in the presence of God and I, I want to share with you guys just out of all the things that we could have, the presence of the Lord is the best thing we're going to get on this side of eternity. Like, hands down. It doesn't matter if the best video game comes out. It doesn't matter if hanging out with my friends is great quality time. Presence with the Lord is the best thing we're going to get on this side of eternity. And the Lord's been showing me that, and He's allowing me to take hold of that. And I want you guys to take hold of that too. Verse 12 through 13 says, Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command, for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. And so they continued to study the word, the Bereans, and this led to many people coming to salvation. And so it is apparent to read the Bible and to encourage others to read the Bible because it brings salvation. But the same Jews that uh, were in Thessalonica got word that Paul was preaching to the Bereans, and this led Paul to be shipped off to Athens there's more persecution coming. The Jews are still jealous and they're still coming at um, the believers in this area. And they're relentless, man. They're literally traveling from Thessalonica to Bria. It's like, that is commitment, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's intense. But they're not backing down. They're continuing to preach the gospel and the good news. Silas and Timothy remain in Berea until the message is uh, reached and Paul commands them to come when they get word. And in conclusion, I just want to share with you guys, relationship with God and Bible reading cannot be separate. If you guys truly, as people sitting in these chairs, want to know the Lord, you need to be reading your Bible. There's been so many times where I've been, I'm like, Lord, why, why don't I feel close to you? Or why, 
on my wrestling with this or whatever it may be. And I always keep getting brought back. It's probably because I'm not reading my Bible. And you hear from your parents all the time, all throughout church, just read your Bible. And it may be cliche, but it's for a reason. Because this is the Word of God. And if you want to hear from Him, you should read the Word. And if you want to be effective and do great things for the Lord, we must deny ourselves and rely on the Spirit. Most of the time, even if I'm trying to do something good, sometimes my flesh is trying to pull me away. And you need to be living in this word if you want to do the right things for the Lord. And um, I just want to encourage you guys to listen to what the Spirit is calling you to do, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, And just pray. And uh, yeah, I'm going to pray for us and close this out. Um, But I just want to encourage you guys to read the word and to step into the presence of the Lord. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southeast Students Podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out more online by visiting our website at ccseportland.com. Hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you later. Peace.